covered by the Saints for a touchdown. Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down, and that is a touchdown, New Orleans. We'll take you to places most fans never go, to practice, to the sideline, to the locker room, following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown, Taysom Hill, Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. Welcome inside Black and Gold. Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak gearing up for week 10 of the NFL season. Are black and gold taking a road trip to Minnesota? We're not quite ready to break all that down yet. We got plenty of other Saints stuff to get into. How's it going, Jeff? Good. I'm, uh, this is the first time in a while we've had like a home schedule that we've been able to do a kind of a midweek like catch up episode so that like, I can actually look back at the game and have time to like assess it and then talk about it to people, which it's kind of nice. I, I, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. Hold on yeah, one second. I, thought, me... I, I even uh, I like the fact that, you know, we were able to record the day of the game, which, you know, post game kind of thing. And that's typically not the easiest thing to do with our schedules. Yeah, it's just nice to be able to react in real time as opposed to yeah. like, like, I don't know, kind of that like gut reaction is kind of nice. And when I have to do it the next day, I don't feel like I'm giving people the right level of angst <laughs> that um, should exist in that scenario. But yeah, so this this episode, I want to kind of, you know, I went through the film. I have some notes on that. That'll be in the second segment. This first segment, I want to answer some some questions because that this has been an interesting week in terms of there are a lot of decisions made in that game that people have questioned that we've asked Dennis Allen about that he's answered that you don't have to agree with the answer, but I'm going to tell you what he said and and whether you know whether it makes sense or not. Um, so we're going to get into that. You know, stuff like why go forward on fourth and inches? Is that the smart move? Whatever. We're going to do that. And then in the final segment, I just want to get into a topic that is kind of. I don't know, near and dear to my heart in terms of it annoys the hell out of me. It's like, should Saints fans be happy right now? Should they should should there be this level of of just vitriol toward every single thing that happens? <laughs> you know, whoa, the kicker misses another kick. Cut him immediately. Anyone is better. Eh, is it? Anyway, stuff like that. It, 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 I just I don't know. You're talking about a five and four team that's leading its division. Yet if you went on social media or you kind of just went on a, you know, Saints Reddit or whatever, you would assume that the season is in flames. And anyway, we'll talk about that. But the, the first thing I want to get into, and, and this is a topic that I was actually kind of surprised about in terms of, uh, you know, I think that Dennis Allen would typically be criticized for being too conservative when it comes to fourth down decisions, punting from the 39 yard line. He's done that twice in the last two weeks. I hate it. I hate everything about it. It actually worked this week, but I still hate it. But this week, fourth and inches, you're up seven. You're at the 17 yard line and he decided to go for it. And, you know, like one thing that annoys me is, is from an analysis perspective. And I've talked about this at length. For example, no one complained about the Rashid Jaheed deep shot on third and 13 because it worked. Right. And if and, it, and just conventional wisdom would say, why don't you just run it, force him to use a timeout, and then and then kick it and make him drive the field down eight? Well, the Saints went for it, and I didn't hear a peep about how that was the dumb decision, right? And here we are in fourth and inches. What's the, what's the success rate on fourth and inches? It's got to be well above 50%, probably closer to 80 
in terms of all you have to do is, you know, put the ball down, put the ball in your chest and, and plow forward. You know, I have, I think in, in my personal opinion, I think the analytics would back me up here. Anytime you are in plus territory and a field goal is not going to give you the lead. If you have the lead or it, like, like it's, it, it's not like the, the win loss scenario, the, the risk reward scenario. That's what I was going for. It's on your side. You have the lead either way. You are deep in their territory. Go for it. Like I, if he had kicked that field goal, it's like, yeah, sure. You go up 10. I would have hated that decision. So just because it didn't work, I am not going to say it was the wrong decision. I am going to stay consistent and say, I want him to go in that scenario. I don't want to see these cowardly field goal attempts from inside the 20. Anytime you have fourth and inches in the red zone, you should be going for it. Now, there's some differing opinions on whether you should, but personally, and I think analytically, I'm going to tell you that that's the right call to make. I definitely didn't have a problem with either either the scenario and especially to me, you're at home. And I, I think you, you can take a little bit more of those gambles when you, yeah. you are at home and you, you feel like you have that, that home team advantage, obviously. So yeah. And like you said, you're ahead in that situation. I definitely wasn't uh, critical of, of the team in that spot. Yeah. And, and so like the question, like it's just, it's a, it annoys me because it's a low hanging fruit, but the bigger question is why, why didn't you get it? Right. Yeah. And so, you know, First off, I think they got hosed on the spot twice, which that's another situation. I don't think that you should have challenged it because I don't think they would have overturned either because you're it's so difficult when it comes to spots on the field, even right. though the, the refs actually did change a spot in this game on a challenge. But when it comes to spot, particularly in the sneak scenario where it's just impossible, you're not going to have a point of reference in any video clip. So it's like, oh, where's the ball? Where's his knee? Where's his ankle? It's impossible. So once they don't give it to you, you're pretty much just out of luck. But, you know, so the question becomes, why sneak it? Uh, there's a few questions there. It's, should Taysom Hill be the one who sneaks the ball, first of all, when you're going to run a sneak? and Or should you run a different play, right? Should you run QE power? Now, one thing that is important to understand is, in those situations, a lot of times you will see the offensive team run up to the ball and snap it quickly. Because the defense doesn't have time to get set. They can't sub, whatever. For some reason, the refs stood over the ball and prevented the Saints from doing that. But the Saints didn't sub. So the, I almost said Colts, the Bears weren't allowed to sub either. Taysom Hill wasn't on the field for that third down. So the Saints plan was, okay, we're going to get up to the line quickly. We're going to run it because... You know, that's typically a way that you can get those plays done a lot easier. Those are much more difficult plays to execute when the other team is able to stack the line with the big guys and and whatever. So in order to get Taysom Hill on the field, you would have had to sub, which would have allowed them to sub. So if your goal was to run that sneak play with with, with some pressure, with them having to rush and get lined up, then you couldn't have Taysom Hill on the field. So, you know, just in the sense of if that was the goal was to catch him off guard, that prevented Taysom from being on the field. The other thing to consider, Taysom Hill does not take snaps from under center. And that quarterback center exchange, I think people take for granted how easy it is to execute. Taysom Hill just doesn't do it. When he's on the field, when he's playing quarterback, he's in the shotgun. That's how he receives the ball. So for him to go up there under center, that's the first time he's done that in how long? Uh, Actually, I can tell you, the last time they tried to do it was week 15 against the Falcons. Fourth and inches, very similar scenario. They tried to sneak it with Taysom and win the game. You know what happened? 
he fumbled. So like, I think you're thinking about that when you're talking about, okay, does it make sense to put him under center? And I've had people say like, well, they should practice it more. And I'm like, sure, maybe, maybe they should practice it more, but it's impossible to practice that scenario. You don't have defensive linemen trying to blow you up in practice. You're not allowed to do that. You don't have that level of contact in practice. So the only way to get that live rep would be to do it in games. And that happens so infrequently that you would always be going into it worried that he's just not feeling comfortable with that snap. And when you're in those situations, it's very high leverage. It's either you get it or it's a turnover. So is that the situation you want to be putting Taysom Hill in there with the idea that's like, I don't feel really comfortable with this right now because I don't do it very often? Probably not. So to me, that putting Taysom under center is a non-starter. I think that if you're going to go for that, you put Taysom in and run QB power and, 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 and get it done until they stop it. Um, because I think that you have a better chance. I mean, percentages-wise, probably sneaks are more effective. I just don't think Derek Carr is particularly good at sneaks. Some quarterbacks are better at than others. And I don't think that's a strength of Derek Carr's. And so would you be better off going with Taysom there? Probably yes. So that's a long way to get to the, to the idea that if I'm running that fourth and inches play, I want my best fourth and inches play. I don't want to rely on, oh, they weren't able to get set quickly. I want Taysom Hill in there. And I want Colin Saunders as the lead blocker. And I want to see, it's like, can you stop Taysom from getting three inches? And if you can, good on you. But to me, that's where I land. I think it was a good decision to go for it. I question the idea of a sneak. Yeah, especially a a quarterback, you know, that was dealing with a shoulder injury earlier this season. I was surprised they did that in general, just to put Carr even in that risk. I, I know it, you know, we see that all the time from QBs doing this in the NFL, but yeah, I haven't really delved into cars, I guess, success rate as doing the QB sneaks. But to me, it obviously, it it seems like Taysom would be that perfect fit there. (laughs) It just, it goes, it seems to go hand in hand, obviously, but makes sense that they couldn't make that substitution at that point. They could have, but then, like you said, you're giving the Bears also the opportunity. Right, if the idea was you're going to gain an advantage by going fast, then you couldn't sub and also go fast. So. I mean, I understand, like, I'm just telling you what Dennis Allen said. I'm not telling you that it's the right way to go about it, but I do agree with the idea to go for it. The other, the other interesting decision that we asked about was third and two down at the goal line. I'm sorry, fourth and two down in the red zone. The Saints opted to accept a holding penalty and knock it back to third and 12. And a lot of people will say, well, why? They were going to kick a field goal. And Dennis Allen, if you ask him, will say, I think they were going to go for it. And there's a few schools of thought there. I kind of think, you know, I, I actually, some people, I had one person commenting on YouTube saying, no coach is ever going to go for it there. They're going to kick the field goal. And it's like, I don't know if you haven't watched football since like 2006, but coaches go for it on fourth down all the time now. It is not an unusual thing, particularly in a game where you feel like you're probably going to struggle to score some points. They know they're not going to win that game kicking field goals. And the Saints hadn't stopped them all day. Why wouldn't they go for it? Anyway, I actually think that you're probably correct, or Dennis Allen's probably correct that they were going to go for it. But the question I have is, wouldn't you be better off trying to defend a fourth and two than a third and 12 in the sense that if you stop them on fourth and two, then you prevent all points? So I think I think the equation there is different than people are looking at it. Like, I don't think you're, you're saying it costs them four points by punt, punt, pushing them back. And I don't necessarily agree with that because I think they were going to go for it, but it did cost you a a chance 
to get off the field with zero points. And I would much rather take the odds at zero and stopping them on fourth and two than third and 12, where best case scenario, you stop them anyway and they kick a field goal. So, you know, I, I, I understand the logic behind accepting the penalty, but I yeah. also don't think that it's the right decision. See, I was okay with it just for the fact that uh, I figured too, obviously Chicago's going to go for it. They got nothing to lose. They're trying to, you know, do whatever they can yeah. to get, you know, points right now too. Like you mentioned uh, any opportunity down there. And with the saints though, it's like, for me, it was that Chicago run game was having so much success early on. Sure. I kind of, I kind of understood the, the pushing on the back and, and taking the yardage, but that, that was definitely something that ignited social media immediately when that, when that occurred. Yeah, and, well, but it, it's funny because like I don't, I I kind of agree with the idea that you shouldn't have taken that penalty, but not for the reason that everyone's saying, which is like they were going to kick a field goal. I don't think they were. Right. I mean, again, like we talked, like talked, like for the same reason, I think going for it on fourth and inches is the right call. I think the Bears would have looked at it and said, "Yeah, we're down in the red zone. We don't get down here that often. Let's let's score a touchdown." Um, and you know, it's funny because. A lot like the the logic you could use to say third and twelve is better off is they have a rookie quarterback, and you're putting it in his hands in his hands, and you want to force him to try to make something happen, right. try to force a ball into coverage and throw an interception. I mean, he threw three in the game. He pro- he should have thrown one earlier because that touchdown to Cole Komet was literally just. I mean, he threw it to Tyron Matthew, and Cole Komet caught it through Tyron Matthew, <laughs> which Cole Komet had a great game. I'm a big Cole Komet fan now. I didn't, I didn't even know who he was going into the game, really. All I knew is they dropped a bag on him a year ago, and uh, Brian Kelly coached him at Notre Dame. And, man, he's good. Uh, anyway, um, but, like, that's the logic that makes sense is, okay, I want to force the rookie UDFA quarterback right. to make a play. And unfortunately for the Saints, he did that in the way that is driving everybody, including Dennis Allen, nuts. In the Saints tried to rush him. And as they rushed him, it was four guys trying to get a sack and not four guys trying to rush the quarterback. And this time, you know, I posted a tweet of, of Brian Brzee, and he had a play. I think it was it was in the first half. I think it was the second drive. It was actually the drive that uh, Paulson Debo got the interception on a ball targeting Cole Komet. And in that drive, it was second and 10 down by the goal line. And he's trying to spin move. He's trying to get up field and he just gets pushed all the way to the right. Malcolm Roach also goes outside on his defender and you just leave this gaping hole, 20 yards. Right. And I don't want it to seem like I'm just, and like, I think that was a rookie mistake by Brian Brzee. And that's part one of the things I'm pointing out. Like one of the reasons it's tough to get him on the field more is because you see mistakes like that and you, you need to avoid that. But I don't want that tweet to make it seem like Brian Brzee is the only one who was screwing up. Because on that third and 12 play, uh, Carl Granderson, Tano Passanio run a stunt. Carl Granderson goes inside, Tano goes outside, and Carl, he needs to stay in that rush lane. But instead, he's just head on fire trying to get after the quarterback, and he ends up rushing online with Brian Brzee. If you go back and watch that play, Brian Brzee and Carl Granderson are literally stacked. And then there's just giant hole for Tyson Bajan to get out of. Mm. And like, you know, we can quibble with a lot of decisions. We can say, man, this is a problem and he shouldn't have taken that penalty. But at the end of the day, what the hell was that? You know, like what, what kind of, what kind of play are you making there? Um, And so like, that's why like Dennis Allen goes up to the podium and he kind of sounds pissed off about a win. And I I understand it because I'm, you know, you watch that back and you're like, what the hell? Yeah, it was definitely frustrating. 
uh, from so many aspects. And you didn't even bring over, obviously, uh, we mentioned this in the postgame show, five takeaways and you only win by seven. That doesn't compute. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and again, like that fourth and inches call, that's a part of it, right? Like if they get that, if they convert that, right. then it's definitely another three points, probably another seven. Um, that field goal, right? So you're looking at it and saying, man, if they just converted on that fourth down and didn't miss a 47-yard field goal, they have 30 points on the board. And suddenly we're talking about, okay, back-to-back 30-point games from this <laughs> offense that couldn't crack 20 for the first half of the season or the first six weeks of the season. So, you, yeah, I mean, so week five, week... Yeah, since week five, you would have scored 30 points in three games. So in three of your... Four, so I, I, I don't know. Anyway, um, like I, I think that's also overplayed in the sense that you won by a touchdown. It's not like... It, you 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 had to scratch it out like they never even they they didn't run a play so I looked this up <laughs> right you did I, I, okay I was gonna say I know you mentioned this uh, that they didn't cross the fifty after half I think it was the the two forty one mark in the third quarter wow. not only did the Bears not cross the fifty there wasn't a single play run in Saints territory other than a kickoff. Think about that. Like every Saints play was in Bears territory and every Bears play was in Bears territory. Wow. <laughs> Which is, I've never seen that. That's crazy. Like I've seen games where like the Raiders game where the Saints shut them out. I don't think they crossed midfield until the fourth quarter when the backup right. was in. Yeah. But like the Saints ran plays on their side of the field, <laughs> right? Like that's crazy. Anyway, um, one other thing that I do want to get into before we move on to the, to the, to the film notes is the question, are the Saints going to work out kickers? And Dennis Allen was asked specifically about that in his press conference on Monday. And he said, no, or at least, you know, I take that back. He, he didn't rule it out. And, and so let's just play that audio right here. Listen, I mean, this, this grown, grown man's league, you know what I mean? And so we're not worried about anybody's feelings right now. You know, um, look, Blake's got a job to do. He's got it. He's got to kick it through the post. Um, and he understands that. And, and look, it's, it's, it's the whole operation. There's a lot of things that go into it. A lot of times everybody just looks at the field goal kicker and did he, did he make it or not? You know, there's a lot of things that go into that. You know, you got a snap, you got a hold, you got a protection, you know, so a lot of different things go into that. So, um, and, and I've seen some, some really good kickers in our league uh, that you know have had some inconsistencies as a rookie, and 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 teams move on from them, and they go to different spots and have great careers. So, um, look, we got we have confidence in in, in Blake and and uh, um. what you're hearing there is a no. What we've seen is not acceptable. It's got to get better, right? Like that's the first part, and. They're not going to keep Blake around just because they feel bad for him and he's 12 years old. <laughs> he's an adult, regardless of the height, weight. Uh, and, and when you see him next to NFL players, he looks like a toddler. But you got to get better, right? And, and, and I think that they do think that he will get better. And one thing that they've said multiple times, Mickey has said this, Dennis has said this, is that rookie kickers kind of struggle at points. And then you've seen so many examples of a rookie kicker getting passed on by the team and going on somewhere else and having a lot of success. And, and he's not wrong, but that was the deal when you, when you brought in a rookie and that's the frustrating part is it's like, 
you're looking at it now, and I understand why people are annoyed, but like that's a rookie kicker. You're you're talking about a rookie kicker, and that's why when they went with a rookie kicker, I was like, why are you going with a rookie kicker when you don't have to? <laughs> like like we talk about it as if like they're in the position that the Packers are in, and Mason Crosby retired after 20 years, and they're like, well, we got to figure out something now. You didn't have to do that. You chose to do that, and that's what pisses me off. That said, I don't think they're going to bring in kickers at least not this week. I think this week up in Minnesota is huge for the future of Blake Groupie as this New Orleans Saints place kicker. Because if he goes up there and misses, an, you know, if he misses a 50-plus yarder, fine. You know, it's like we're it's our fault for putting you in that situation. He had a 55-yarder this week. Yeah. He, was, he hit two in, in New England, so we know we can do it. But if he goes out there and he misses again from like 45 or 39 or 29, and he just looks like he's in his own head, then you have two weeks, you know, that bye week. You better be looking at kickers because you can't you can't afford to lose games because of that. And so, like, I think this is kind of his 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 if he goes out there and looks atrocious in Minnesota, <laughs> I think he's done. I was gonna say, what so atrocious to you would it be just any miss below 50? Nah, yeah, I mean it's it's tough, right? Like <sighs> It's 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 more just about like the confidence I have in him as a kicker. Right. Like he can say he's nine for nine on PATs, but I watched that ball go off the upright. That doesn't make me feel good about it. <laughs> right. That 55 yarder, he hit it from a ways out, but it was not, it didn't split the middle by any stretch. Right. Like uh, I want to see him do what he did in training camp, which is man, no doubters. Um, And like, cause I don't want to have to wonder when I'm in, when I, if I, if I, if I need a kick to win a game, and I, where's that target line going to be? Yeah. Right. And that's the thing. They put that on the field. They put that on the field, but they only put like the maximum distance on there. They don't put, okay, I, I, he can make it from this far, but I'm pretty sure if we don't get him within 45, right. Eek, you know, and, <laughs> and that's, you can't be there. And that's, to me, that's the difference is I want that confidence level to be high so that in the game, and, and this is a big thing. And I don't think people think about it this way, but this is a huge thing. It affects how you manage the game, right? Like it affects your decision-making from a play-calling perspective, from a head coach perspective in terms of go for it, kick decisions, right? You, it affects how you go about the game, and the game plays out differently when you trust your kicker versus when you don't trust your kicker. And I don't want to for this team to be in a situation where, okay, we, we would have kicked that if we thought he could make it, but we just watched him miss from 47, so unless we can get him on inside 42, I don't want to kick it, you know? And, and part of that's on Darren Rizzi. He's going to have to make those decisions. All I know is they're not bringing in a kicker right now. This week is not the week that they're going to be trying out kickers, but they're going to have, a, if, if he has a rough day in Minnesota, that's going to be a long two weeks to sit with it and be like, yeah, this is the way to go. So that's, that's all I got there. And that's, I think that's, that's the answer to the question right now. Are the Saints going to bring in any kickers as of now? No. no. But yeah, I agree with you totally. If it's if things go awry in Minnesota, and Groupie looks gross again, then yeah, we'll we'll be hearing about during the bye week. You think you'll be chilling and enjoying your your cell your downtime, and it'll be like, oh, I got to I got to report about two three kickers coming in to work out. Right, right, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not a lot of Groupie groupies. Right, um, no, for sure. You know, the funny thing is, the other thing that's actually bugged me more so than the misses themselves is that they've come indoors, and. It, the the missing Green Bay, you could be like, God, oh, it's outdoors. He's not used to dealing with wind. It's a natural grass field. You know, it's a little different. 
his first miss of his career, I think. Um, and then, but the last four, which four? He's missed five kicks in in nine games. You can't do that. And I'm pretty sure um, still, still the the shortest miss of the NFL season too. I still believe. Yeah, twenty nine. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, and and so you, I, I just think like that's to me that's the biggest concern because you play so many of your games indoors. Like if you had a kicker and you were like, yeah, he's he struggles in the wind. He's not doesn't do it a lot, so it's not the strongest point of his game. But you get him inside and he's automatic. And for a team that plays indoors, I can right, live with it. Right. But there's no excuse for missing indoors. Like, what, the air conditioning was too high? You know, like <laughs> the the breeze from, you know, some of the yelling is kind of, no, that doesn't exist. So you got to be better. Um, and I, I'd like to think he will be. But the problem is I just have, like, it, you, you saw, you know, he missed that kick at Green Bay. He went up to New England and he made those 250 yards. He was the NFC friggin' special teams player of the week. Right. You're uh, dead on, right. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, okay, okay, you know, good. Like he he missed that, but he bounced back, great. And then it next week in Houston, it's like, what the hell? It's it's almost feels like he's had a miss in just about every game. I'd, I'd have to look at it though. I know that's well, not right. Right, he didn't miss in New England. <laughs> um, but yeah, he missed that's two one, right. against yeah. the Texans. He Wait, obviously week one he didn't. No, or week two. Um, he didn't miss against the Colts, but he only had one attempt from like 20 yards right, out. Right, exactly. Um, so, he, yeah, so the misses. I, I can tell you the misses. I remember the misses, right? <laughs> so he missed from, I want to say it was 48 in Green Bay. He missed from, I think it was 52 in Houston. That was in the first half. He missed from 29 in Houston. That was in the second half. And he, missed, for, right? he missed again from 50 plus against the Jaguars. And then he also, the extra point in the second half, Clanked it up the upright, but it went in. But I remember it. It's still in there. Still, still, still rattling around. Um, then what? What the next week was uh, the Colts, and again, so he didn't miss that. And then in this game, he hit from fifty-five, and then he missed from forty-seven. That's those are those are all of his misses. And you know, when you when you look at it like that, it's like okay, yeah, kickers aren't going to make every kick. You know. Um, it's the 29 and the 47. Not so, not in the 48, obviously, because of the situation. Like, those are the ones that have to be automatic. I can, I don't really care. You know, I care, but I and understand it's the cost of doing business when you settle for a 50 yard or sometimes you miss. I cannot, you cannot accept missed 47 yard field goals in clutch, in clutch moments. No, but it, like we heard from DA, definitely seems like they're, they're willing to stick with the rookie through some of these growing pains, I guess you want to call them. I don't know. Yeah. yeah and I mean, we, we can, we can move on. We've talked about this for a while, but again, yeah. like, and it's, I think I said this after the game, it's like the idea, like there's people out there like, I oh, just cut them, just get rid of them. Anyone would be better. And I need you to understand that that is not true. That is absolutely not true. Um, like it's like 2021 never happened and people have completely wiped it from their brains, but I remember it How vividly. Yeah, right. I remember Cody Parkey missing multiple extra points in that game in Washington that the Saints won, and they got cut on the way home. <laughs> like, I remember that. So, so it can 1,000% get worse. Um, and I, like the Saints are not going to change kickers unless they feel like they have no other option. And right now, I think they, they have the option to stay the course, and they're going to do it. 
No, so yeah, stick with being a groupie groupie for now. And then if things go awry with Minnesota, then maybe the pitchforks and flames can come out. It's an exclusive club right now. <laughs> but all right, let's wrap that segment up. We're going to come back. We're going to go through some film notes. Um, you know, we, there's a couple more questions that we didn't get to in this segment that it would work that will work well there. So let's do that. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He is Steve Geller. You can check me out on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. He's at Steve Geller WWL. You can follow the show at Saints underscore Potty. You can also follow Steve on the radio at WWL AM 870 FM 105.3. And, uh, always on the odyssey app you see see right right there right there Ooh, that um, landing. yeah and obviously wwl.com is a place you can go on the internet there's stuff there you know maybe there's games there isn't um but <laughs> there's no games no there's no games but you can play games on your cell phone while you while you end up there so it's basically like we have like minesweeper and stuff like that you know like we that play, old pinball you remember that old pinball game that was on like the, all the computers there was like Minesweeper Freecell in that yes. weird pinball game. Yes. I, I was good at that. I still never, I was terrible with Minesweeper. It always pissed me off. Did you ever, did you not know the rules? I did, but I still was never good at it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, that's a loss. I, I, I don't think, I don't think any, anyone on TikTok is going to be like also knowing the rules of Minesweeper. So it's like one of those things that we have as, a, as old people. Yeah, I was um, more of a, the snake, the snake and solitaire guy. Snake. I remember the snake on my old brick phone. It's the only thing I could manage. Anyway, this is Inside Black and Gold. Stick around. And we're back on Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He is Steve Geller. And, you know, I, I like I said in the first segment, I was excited to be able to go through the film and have time to come back on here and talk about it because when the, on the road trips, it's really tough. And on Thursday Night Football, it's like, man, we're already on to the next week. Um, but, you know, this film, it wasn't as it wasn't as disappointing of an experience as I thought it would be because there were a lot of weird moments in this game. And one thing that happened after the game and we talked about it is... Dennis Allen is tired of hearing your questions about halftime adjustment. <laughs> and I, I can get on board with that because you're not making adjustments when the, there was one play, there was a DJ Moore play. I'm sorry, Darnell Mooney play where he got, he got the ball, gets to the sideline. There's three players. I think it was Demario Davis, Paulson Adebo, and maybe Marcus May. I'd have to double check. There were three players. They were basically standing in a line parallel to each other. And it was like, oh, he's going to get stopped for a loss. Well, he puts his he puts his foot in the ground and cuts back inside. And it was basically like a Three Stooges moment where they all run into each other. And he's gone for 38 yards. It was the final play of the first quarter. 38 yards on a play that should have gone for four. And it's like, you think they're going into halftime and being like, okay, we got we to gotta do this differently. What do we do wrong? We got to fix it. It's like, no, the adjustment is make the goddamn tackle. You, <laughs> you ingrates. Uh and, and so, yeah, like I would be annoyed too because it's like there isn't this magic formula to fix stuff like that. You got to just play better. You got to understand what your job is and do it. And so, like, I, I think it's funny because I hear those questions all the time. And like I'm at all these press conferences and the same question gets asked. Oh, what are the adjustments? And, and it's like they played like shit and then they did it. That's the adjustment. And you can see it on film. It's clear on film. They played horribly in that first half. Oh, man. 
There were so many. It was unbelievable. Like I said, the hundred rushing yards given up in that first half was just made me want to vomit for sure. Yeah. And so one thing that I think has been an issue that we've kind of overlooked is the communication between the Mike linebacker and whether it's the Sam linebacker or the slot corner, whatever it is, whether it's Alante, whether it's Marcus May, that has not been very good. And you've seen a lot of mistakes in terms of, okay, this guy wants to pass it off to this guy, but he doesn't understand what he's supposed to be doing and he covers the wrong guy. And then there's two guys on one and, and DJ Moore is by himself. Right. Right. And, and that's happened too much. And you see that on film. And so I think when you're talking about adjustments, I think that is one you look at and say, how do we fix that communication? Because there were several instances in this game where, you know, it just looked like it's like you had the numbers. You just didn't do it. The, the question, uh, obviously, you know, you mentioned those halftime adjustments. And why, the reason he's asked about it so much is for whatever, what it's been like three, four straight games now, the team looks completely different after after the half and, and, and plays much more stout defense. And it doesn't it does not register. So it seems like there's either this big rah-rah speech in the locker room or they may, they go through something and see something that's like, all right, we got to change this. But no, it's just that, it's just them being, you know, uh, more precise with their keys and and like you said, making a tackle when you need to. Yeah, well, I mean, I think there are some pretty loud, uh, loud things said in the locker room at halftime, but it's not like get your freaking head on straight, right? Right. There's a lot of curse words, and you know, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and so I don't know. Uh, I do think it's interesting, um, and and one thing they did in this game that I thought was interesting is they played a lot of zone. You saw them come out early in zone, and I think it worked at points. But like, for example. You know, sometimes offense, good offense just beats good defense. And the two Cole Komet touchdowns, which, again, I, I think I mentioned this, like Cole Komet is on a pretty big contract. They paid him like four years, 50 million, which for a tight end, that's a pretty big deal. And it's funny because you don't think of him in the in the same kind of category as Travis Kelsey or George or George Kittle. Uh, you know, guys like that, right? Like uh, Zach Ertz, even, I guess he's a little older, but Dallas Goddard, you talk about him. Um, but like he, the plays he made in that game were impressive. And like, I, I went and watched the, uh, the first touchdown and I was like, okay, who screwed up? Someone screwed up, right? Someone had to screw up. And then he watched it and I'm like, man, they played it perfectly. They did exactly what you want. They, everyone was accounted for. They had a, Zach Bond was a free rusher at Tyson Bajan. He had to just throw it up. He's like, well, Cole's down there. He's tall. But Matthew <laughs> was literally standing there ready to intercept it. And the only yeah. thing that didn't work is Cole Komet is, is really good. And he just went up and took it. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's funny and because it's like everyone wants to diagnose it and say, well, this guy's screwed up. He's not playing well enough. He's not doing it. And it's like sometimes the, the offense just wins. Um, and that's what happened there. And I think that's what happened a couple times early in this game. The second Cole Komet touchdown was interesting too, because, um, you know, and and I tweeted it and then I thought better of it because I'm not sure. And I want to double check, but so, uh, actually no different, different, different thing. There was another play that Cole Komet was a, like, a like a pick and it worked perfectly because he blew up the play and that was DJ Moore's wide open. But the other touchdown, uh, he comes out and like blocks and Zach Bond is right there. And Zach Bond's like, I got this. I got this. <laughs> and just grabs him because you're within one yard. You can do anything within one yard. Right. If you 
one yard downfield, then it is it is illegal. But he grabs him and just chucks him to the ground and then goes and catches a touchdown. <laughs> and it's like, man, what a play by that guy. Anyway, it's like you, you want to say, like, well, this guy screwed up. This guy screwed up. And I'm like, no, the guy just is just better than you. Uh, and he won. And, no, uh, you, you bring it up now, and that was definitely uh, one of the complaints or observations, whatever you want to say, in the ha- the post-game show on WWL after that matchup. We were getting of folks complaining, has Tyron, are we seeing the, the end of him? Has he lost a step? And I remember those questions were being asked last year as well. Well, I mean, like, he's in perfect position. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but he's still... Five seven or whatever, like that's right. just he's not going to grow any. So you know, I'm sorry. Yes, I mean, I, I I don't know what you know. It's funny because it's the second time since he's gotten here that you've seen that that he has been in perfect position to make a play, and he kind of does, but it ends up being a touchdown anyway. I remember Juwan Jennings last year where he got like his full hand on the ball and like tipped it up into the air, and then it just fell into Juwan Jennings' lap for a touchdown against the 49ers, a game where they only scored 13, and that was seven of it. Um, that was anyway, another one of those moments of last year you think about and you're like, of course, this is of course, this happens to the Saints kind of thing. But yeah. it, that's another thing I, I found funny, too. It's like. I love the fact that now, you know, when, when you start winning Saints on a two game win streak, watch out like Bears fans complaining. Oh, those Saints, they always get the calls from the refs. Excuse me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so a couple of other film notes. So one other question, why didn't Mike Thomas catch any passes? And it's a good question because <laughs> I looked this up. He had never previously in his career had a regular season game where he was active and did not catch at least two passes, not one. He's never had a game where he caught less than two passes in the regular season prior to this one. Now, the there is an asterisk there which is the 2020 divisional round against the Bucks. He also right. didn't have a catch. But as we know now, <laughs> he was basically playing on one leg, right? So, like, that's a little bit of an exception. <laughs> exactly. Um, he was just out there to try and help Drew, you know, obviously advance and the team. I mean, yeah, he was doing everything he could. But, like, what well, he missed the next two seasons. <laughs> like, right. it's oh. not like – it wasn't like he's, he's faking it. Like, he literally missed two full seasons of football because it got so bad and – Part of the reason is because he tried to play through anyway. So that's that game. But, you know, so you go back and watch and you're like, okay, there's got to have, there must have been opportunities to get him the ball. And, you know, and, and there were, right? Like he should have had a catch or two. One play, they they fouled him, you know? So like there was, he got targeted once technically, but there was another throw that drew a penalty. So that kind of goes in his column, right? That's a win for him. Um, the other one was just a, just uh, unsuccessful. Um but you look at it and you watch and you say, okay, they are paying him so much attention in this game. Like you're seeing him bracketed uh, that the touchdown pass to Chris Olave. I think Derek Carr talked about this in the post game. You know, the, the safety is just doubling Mike off the snap. Like there's no question. He, he, there's no disguise there at all. It is just a double team on Mike. And that means you got one man to man with Chris Olave and Chris one touchdown. And so like, if they're going to do that and they're going to give you one-on-one coverage, forcing the ball to Mike doesn't make sense. Like, like I get it. You want to get Mike involved, but if they're going to take him away and you feel like you have the weapons, like that's the difference between 2019 and now when they would double Mike, but he's still your best option. Now they double Mike and you're like, well, I could throw it to Taysom. I could throw it to Juwan. I could throw it to, to Chris, right? Like the progression is being run. 
Whereas like, it's like, that wasn't always the luxury you had when it was Ted Ginn on the other side. Um, and, and I think, you know, I asked Derek about this in the post game and I thought his answer was pretty telling in that regard. Uh, and, and here's that. Well, it's one of the things that, you know, I, I could go out there and probably do two or three plays back and try and force a ball and see, you know, make the, you know, make a tight window throw. And I have all the confidence that I can do it. But at the end of the day, playing with this defense, I know over time that if I can take care of the football and if we can as an offense hold on to it uh, and do those things, um, that you know, th- those numbers begin to turn into wins. And you know, you always see at the end of the year. You know, takeaway differential, and you see the teams at the top have a bigger takeaway differential, and the teams at the bottom don't, and it's the opposite. And so, um, for me, coming here and playing here, I just want to be as efficient and clean as possible. Um, and there's going to be games that be tight. You know, get, and when they're tight, you got to take care of the ball and just give us a chance at the end. And then when you have to make that throw, you make that throw. But um, there's a couple times today where you don't. Ha- I didn't have to do that because you know, you know what's happening on the other side of the ball. And so the ultimate goal is. To to win the football game and you know it, it takes all three phases playing together and so uh, I just try and do that to my best to help DA and those guys out to me what he's saying there is like yes there were throws to be made to Mike and you can see that on film like there was a couple there was one early I think it was the second offensive play of the second half where Mike's coming on a crossing route and he's gonna come open Derek gets some pressure he had the option to maybe stand in there take a hit and, and deliver it early and let Mike run under it he rolls out, probably still could have rifled it in, but you can see the safety crashing down. It would have been a tight window throw, maybe get bumped up into the air. You're at your own 25-yard line. It's not like you are at midfield. So a turnover there in a tie game is massive. And, and I said this going in, and I think it played out pretty well, is you know the Saints are approaching this game as similarly to how they approached the Broncos game a couple years ago and how they approached the Jets game last or two years ago in that, I, if they're going to beat me, their offense has to beat me. I am not going to allow their defense to beat me. I need Tyson Bajant to come out there and beat me. And you know how you can allow the defense to beat you by forcing tight window throws deep in your own territory? Because, you know, we've seen that. We saw it against the Jags, right? Like that, that touchdown, that defensive touchdown against the Jags is a very big reason you lost that game. And so, you know, I, I think that there is something to be said for four interceptions through nine games. That's not for nothing, right? Like, that's helped you win. That's why you're plus eight in the turnover margin. So, like, I think when you come, kind of watch this back and you see it, and you'll see screenshots. People will share screenshots saying, well, he was open here. He was open here. I was like, yeah, probably. But I also think that there's something to be said for, you know, playing conservatively in a game where throwing caution to the wind and turning it over is probably the only way you're going to lose. Yeah, I, I, that was definitely, a, I thought, a big belief. Yeah, you you were going to play pretty conservative ball against a bear squad that was having, I know every, they were both averaging 21.4 points a game going into the matchup, but yeah. the Saints had, had come alive offensively a lot more than the Bears in the last few games and were definitely trending upwards, while the, while the Bears, you know, obviously with an, Tyson Badgett at quarterback wasn't, expecting to do much and you figured why, why give them any extra kind of opportunities don't have to be uh, so aggressive in this matchup they, they're going to beat themselves kind of thing yeah and, and I mean it's not all of that like there were uh, he did Derek didn't make perfect reads all day there were opportunities where he could have potentially got Mike Thomas the ball there there was one uh, you know and this isn't Mike Thomas but A.T. Perry 
he hasn't caught a pass in the NFL yet, but he was a shoelace away. And I tweeted this video and you can go look at it. He was a shoelace away from possibly a 75 yard touchdown in this game. Cause you know, he's, uh, he's running kind of a deep, a deep corner route and the DB to his side thinks he's running a comeback. He's playing the comeback, but AT never stops. And so the defend the defender goes back, he breaks back and AT's still running. And the only reason he did not, you know, and, and Derek rolled out. So like that was basically, it was a half field read. It was the only throw he could have made other than what he ended up doing, which is dumping it down to Foster Morrow for a decent game. But the reason it didn't go to AT is that their feet got tangled up when the defender broke off and he fell. Otherwise, I mean, that's that's a huge... I mean, he might get chased down. AT is not exactly Tyreek Hill. Uh, that's a long way to run. He's got a lot of you're talking, ahead of him. <laughs> yeah, you're talking 40, 50 yards on that play minimum. Uh, and that's a bummer. But it is good to see AT involved. That is one thing that on film you can see. It's like they're using AT a little bit more. I don't know what his snap count was, but he... You know, that, like they're working him in, which is good. You know, we're seeing them gradually include the rookies. So, like, that's something that I'm happy about. Because, um, you know, there have been I, – I had some one complaint about, like, oh, why, why aren't Nick Saldaveri and Jake Hayner dressed? And like, because <laughs> you don't need them. What is – like, you're – like, there's a point where you're just looking for complaints, and that's that's one of them. <laughs> now, has um, Perry pretty much – I won't say unseated, but he's been taking playing time away from uh, Kirkwood, who we, uh, you know, I thought actually obviously had a, a pretty good training camp. We were all over him saying how much he had matured and grown this season, but yeah, hasn't really been a factor at all in the, in the regular season. With Keith, I don't think it's AT that's taking playtime from him. I think it's Lynn Bowden because with Keith, what you needed from him is to be that kind of, blocking wide receiver the the right. replacement for Traquan and you know I think he did have good chemistry with Derek Carr but he's not on this roster because he's going to catch a ton of passes he's on this roster because he's going to do the dirty work and he's going to block and I just don't think his blocking was good enough um and we've seen you know I think Lynn's been praised pretty heavily in terms of him his ability to block and his ability to you know just kind of get in there and 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 get stuff done um, and so I think that's more what you're looking at is, is okay. But either way, you know, like I think it's a combination, right? Like it's, you have an sure, AT yeah. in there, he's doing more downfield. Um, and from a physical standpoint, he could probably run the same routes as Keith. Uh, so yeah, no, it, it, yeah. Keith, I like Keith. Keith's a good veteran guy to have. He's still around. He's just inactive. Um, and you know, it's, it's kind of funny. You, t- you talk about it, like one of the reasons these guys can't get on the field is because this team is as healthy as I've seen it Knock in years. <laughs> I mean, Kendra Miller went down with an ankle sprain. Doesn't seem mega significant. Uh, Isaiah Foskey went down with a quad injury, I believe it was. Right. Another one that doesn't seem super significant. Might miss some time, but not like IR level bad. Um, and like, that's about it. I mean, you lost Peyton Turner, obviously, early in the season. You had a couple, you know, the Andrew Dowell, Trey Turner, um, you know, Benjamin, but otherwise, I mean, you've been very fortunate. So, like, you know, like that's why when people complain Nick Saldaveri is not getting any action because he got all these healthy guards. Yeah, be be happy we're not having to turn to the rookie right. uh, on the offensive line, especially. Exactly. Like, that's what I said is like getting a, a, a redshirt year for a mid-round draft pick is not a bad thing. 
if you if you could get away with that with every single mid-round pick, you would do it every year. The problem is you can't cut them, and so you and you only have 48 players active on game day. I think so, maybe maybe folks are getting too excited to see what Jordan Howden's doing. I don't know. Well, no, I mean sometimes sometimes they get in and they look really right. great, and you know they're ahead of the curve. But just as many times you'll see guys go out there and struggle and lose their confidence and never get back. So I don't know. I'm okay with it. Um, the other thing, you know, pass rush lanes, we talked about it. That was a big problem in this game. I think they improved that as the game went on. And I think, you know, that's just something that we've seen crop up week after week after week with these. And, and they've happened to face a lot of quarterbacks that can take advantage of that. But at the same time, that's just quarterbacks. Kids aren't coming out of college now that are that are pocket bound <laughs> like statues. Like they just don't exist anymore. That's not what the quarterback position is. So you have to you have to get better at it. Like the Saints were honestly fortunate that they had Tom Brady in the division. Uh, so they got two shots at a statue twice a year and not just kind of played into what they wanted to do anyway. You know? The and Matt though, Ryan for so long, right? The the problem though, that statue of Tom at least was getting rid of the ball in two seconds. Yeah, but the Saints played him well. Right, for sure. I like it was never like he was never really the reason that they couldn't win the game. Uh, it was themselves in a lot of instances, like the Jerry Cook fumble and that week two game. You probably give it to him uh, in in twenty twenty two, but like the game there last year, that wasn't about Tom. That was about the Saints failing to put any points on the board in the second half. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. It wouldn't be fair to not talk about Paulson Adebo. He just had such a good game that you kind of like, it's just like every, he did everything right. I mean, it technique wise, no penalties, just in perfect coverage. Like the fact that you feel comfortable saying, we don't care who you line up DJ Moore against. We're going to play our sides. That's such a, that is such a huge, huge compliment to, to Paulson Adebo because it means that like you're basically putting them on par with each other in terms of you don't care who they put their star wide receiver on. You you feel like either guy can get the job done. And obviously Marshawn's, you know, elite uh, in terms of that. But clearly you feel like Paulson is too. And, you know, the numbers would bear that out. Man, you brought up penalties there too. That was something I don't think we brought up at all in the post-game show, how impressive the team was with their lack of penalties against the Bears. Shout out. And, uh, even out in the post-game show, Bobby Bears like, I hope we get this refing crew every game. Yeah, I think there was only one penalty, and it was on Juwan Johnson for a false start. That was it. One. One whole penalty in the game. That's amazing for this team. That's amazing <laughs> for any team. Yeah. <laughs> um, and in such an ugly game, too. Like, like right. it's a game where you – like, the defining adjective that you could use is ugly. You know, and there were no penalties. Um, I don't. I don't know if the Bears got called for a bunch either. They may, maybe had like three or four. Yeah, um, I think there was. A, there might have been, like you said, a handful. But yeah, for me, obviously, seeing the Saints, but we know we know of the problems they've had, um, and especially you know when those t- uh, tight game situations where it seems like you know you're you're a third and long or even uh, on offense when you're trying to convert something ends up biting them in the rear and it just didn't happen this game. Nice to see. Yeah. Yeah. The, the one other thing that I'll mention, and you know, you saw this on film is I like, I gave you the horrible tip to start Jamal Williams in fantasy. I actually didn't tell you to start Jamal Williams in fantasy. I just told you, I thought that this could be a big game for him. He was very good as a blocker. Dennis Allen pointed that out. And I think it's, it's, it's worth mentioning it. Cause I don't think we talked about this is he's in on a lot of those Taysom Hill sets and he threw some great blocks 
in this game. And all we want to talk about is Colin Saunders and, <laughs> and his role as a blocker. And it's a lot of fun. Jamal had a big role in that too. Um, and especially in terms of Taysom Hill. I do think you're seeing the Saints trying to limit the workload of Alvin Kamara right now. Right. And especially in instances where they feel like they can get away with it. You know, the Falcons are going to, you're going to play the Falcons in a a massive game, and I expect them to get a huge workload in that game. But I do think you're going to meter him a little bit, and you're not going to necessarily give him this crazy snap share knowing that you have Jamal. Now, if Kendra misses some time, that might factor in, but you obviously have Taysom. So like that's not a that's not a mirage. Like they are using him less than uh than we saw in the first few weeks with Jamal not in there. Yeah, uh hoping to see more involvement from Jamal Williams obviously going forward too. This is a guy that had 17 touchdowns last year and just really hasn't been able to find any kind of groove yet here in New Orleans. Yeah, like you could have still we talked about the fourth and inches play um in the first segment. And it was like yeah. like again, my my biggest issue with that is you went for a sneak. When you have a guy like Jamal Williams, who's you would qualify as an elite short yardage running back, you know, like why not? You have Taysom, right? Like there's a lot of options that do not involve Derek Carr bowling into the line. I don't know. Use them. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm crazy, but either way, you know, I, I agree. I want to see more from Jamal. Um, I'm you glad to imagine he's frustrated as heck and he's so much fun that I don't know. I'm, I'm just waiting for that. I was hoping you were right for sure to see that explosion from him in this game and do uh, maybe not even the 100 yards in the multi-touchdown game, but just to get up there and like 50, 60 yards maybe with a score, just to get him going. We just haven't seen really much of anything this year, and I I don't want to hear you know a lot of maybe media members or fans complaining, oh, you know, Jamal's looking slow out there. He's not looking like he's he's ready to be in this offense kind of thing. I'm I'm not really ready to – to write him off at all. Uh, I think there's still a ton that we can see from Jamal Williams. I just don't know how this offense can get him going, but at least the offense as a whole is starting to mature and get better, but there's still some guys, I guess, left out in the cold. As we mature, the offense matures with us. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Well, I mean, he only had three carries in this game. So I don't know how you could, well, what evidence are you pointing to that he can't get it done when he doesn't have the ball? But no, I, I agree with that. Um, one of the one of the issues involved is like he got a good number of snaps, but when you're on the field with Taysom, those are a lot of either zone reads or called runs. And so like, you know, he's not necessarily an option on those plays. Um, even when it is like a zone read and Taysom keeps it, you know, so it's like you can... I don't know. Like you can design stuff and say, well, well, he's an option, but if he doesn't get it, then it's like, well, that wasn't a carry. So that's a snap, but it's not a carry. So I'd like to see, I'd like to see more action dictated to him. It's funny because, you know, I thought for a second there that, that I was like, oh man, nailed it. Cause he was on the field for like three, like the first drive, he right. got executive snaps. And I was like, oh yeah, they're good. And cause I, I do think that was the plan. I think the plan was to run the ball. And the problem is, and this, you saw this on film too. They could not run the ball, you know, whether it was, you know, other than Taysom, that's the problem. It's like, other than Taysom Hill, they, the run game has not been a working at all. And my last note that I'll hit here, and it pains me to say this because I really like James Hurst, but he is not a starting NFL left guard. I think he's, he's a, a great reserve tackle. to have. He's a better tackle than a guard. 
And the fact that he can play left tackle, left guard, right tackle, right guard is immensely valuable for this team. I think his just his his leadership in that room is valuable for this team. He's always willing to answer questions. He's always willing to, you know, like I think that he is a guy you want to have on your team, but I think he is the sixth offensive lineman unless you're playing him at tackle. But Andres Pete is your best option at left tackle right now. And I think Max Garcia is your best option at left guard. And he should be the starting left guard because he played very well those last two games. And as much as I like James Hurst, he is a liability at left guard. And so, I, I don't know. I, I would not be surprised if when we get back from the bye week, you see Max Garcia at left guard. And by the end of the season, I expect to see Max Garcia at left guard. I just think like it's tough because he is such a good veteran leader on this team that you don't want to sit him down. I just, I, I mean, it's like, but, but you hear him say like, we want to get our best five players on the field. Yeah. And I think that Max Garcia is a better guard. The, the, the biggest concern to me though, is where still where does Trevor Penning fit into all of this? Well, we know where Trevor Penning is. We can go right. find him anytime we want. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. It's, it's uh, surprising. It's not on the field. It's surprisingly Andrews Pete at left tackle, which I did not see coming at all. He's played well. Absolutely right. I can't deny that either. Who saw that coming? Right. He's indispensable. <laughs> He's going to get paid again. Yeah. A lot of teams a lot of teams could use a, a, a tackle slash guard right now. Right. Um he's in a contract year. Good for him. That's all, that's all that like good for him, right? Cuz he gets a lot of grief. Absolutely. Uh and you know, he's like he's I don't think he came into this season expecting to play tackle. He no, just it, got out there and did it. it. It's crazy how I don't know has he suddenly found his you know niche there uh, after all this time. It's like finally this is where he, he should have been all the time. Yeah, well, I mean, you had Tehran previously. Right, exactly. So. That's I mean, a pretty good know, maybe, option. Maybe last year, right? Maybe instead of Hurst. <laughs> but anyway, um, <laughs> you know, funny thing. So Andres Pete, I don't know if a lot of people know this. His brother is like one of the top basketball recruits in the country. His brother's name is Koa Pete. He's six foot eight. Uh, and he's like a five-star basketball recruit. He was at the game on Friday or on Sunday. Friday. <laughs> You're like, yeah, whatever that was. Yeah, Sunday. They don't play on Fridays. It's like yeah, one like, day. Wait a Friday? Yeah. yeah. It's like the one day of the week that they've never played a football game. They played it on Mondays. They played it on Tuesdays and Wednesdays during COVID. They played it on Thursdays. Actually, no. What? They play it on Fridays now. <laughs> There's a so, Black Friday game. So, oh, that's right. Oh, uh, so where, uh, Co is in high school or, or right now? Oh, I, I yeah, you put me on the spot. Sorry, there. sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean I didn't to do look that. Up his whole family history here. Right, right. Cole Pete, he's sixteen. He's six eight. Wow, the, those Pete jeans, man. That's some big people in that family. Yeah, yeah, right. Like you could say, like, oh, he's you know, he's not the best athlete in the world, but at the same time, is he though? Like he's six foot eight and he can run around. You know, that's a pretty good athlete. Yeah. Um and his brothers. Yeah, power forward. He's he's goes to high school in Arizona. Anyway, who knows? Maybe he ends up on the Pelicans. We'll have double P. <laughs> P's and Q's. Um, all right, that's gonna wrap up that segment. We'll come back and we'll we're gonna go on a little bit of a rant. Um, and I just talk about should you be happy right now? And also, we're gonna I, we're gonna point to our biggest like what what are the biggest issues facing the Saints right now? What what needs to be fixed or for this season to be 
successful, to get where it needs to go, because there are some issues that are bigger than others. There are a lot of issues, but some are more are more pressing than others. So we're going to talk about that. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Steve Geller. He's Jeff Nowak. As always, this podcast <laughs> has gone on forever, so you're, you're getting your money's worth. You just said you're Steve Geller and I'm Jeff Nowak. Yeah, you. Well, if we talk long enough, that's going to happen, and 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 Steve's going to circle the drain because he lost his internet connection. But we will be right back. And we're back on Inside Black and Gold. I am back to being Jeff Nowak. Steve Geller is back to the land of the living. It's a joke. We'll get it. And uh, so, yeah, we're going to get back into this. This is kind of a look back slash look ahead podcast going into week 10. Uh, and, and I did, I think it's important to ask this question Should Saints fans be happy right now? And I don't think it should be that complicated, but it is because the Saints are on a two game winning streak. They beat the Colts, they beat the Bears. They're five and four and in first place in the NFC South for the first time since the 2020 season. This time last year, they were three and nine (laughs) last year. It took them until week 15 to win their fifth game. That that's crazy, but it's true. Last year they had, I think 14 takeaways total this year. They are tied for first in the NFL with 18. That to me is unreal for sure. That's the hugest turnaround for me. That's so impressive. Right. You have three wide receivers that you feel like you have a ton of confidence in. You have a quarterback that I know there's there's highs and lows there. Not everyone loves them and whatever, but you feel like there's a higher floor there than you had last year with Andy Dalton or that you had the year before that with Trevor Simeon or whatever, right? So you should feel like reasonably confident. You just had three 300-yard games in a row. That hasn't happened since 2015. You know, you put up 35 points on the on the 34 points on the Patriots, you put up 35, 38 points on the Colts. You should have put up more uh, this week. You know, like there's a lot to look at and be like, okay, you know, this is a winning team. But when I, I hear all of the reaction and maybe this is just the people I'm exposed to. Maybe this isn't as wide reaching as, as it seems to me because the angry people are louder than the people who are just like, I'm just happy to watch a winning football team. But, and, and that's what the saints are right now. They're over 500. They're a winning football team. But like all I hear is like, it's like, oh yeah, we won, but we didn't win by enough. So this team sucks. And it's just like, that's really, that's, that's, don't you watch football to have a good time? Isn't winning fun for you? Like go look around the NFL. Look at all the teams. Tell me that there aren't a whole lot of teams in worse shape than the Saints right now. And like, you'll hear people say, well, they sacrificed the opportunity to be good for 15 years to make the playoffs this year. What does that even mean? You, you sacrifice the opportunity to be the Panthers right now. Would you, you'd be happier with one in seven, right? There are only two teams in the NFC right now with more than five wins. It's the 49ers at six and three and the Eagles at eight and one. So should every other team in the NFC be feeling like, Oh, we suck. Yeah, the, the those glor- the glorious 49ers that everyone's touted is you know the same no no they're 5 and 3 Saints are 5 and 4 so similar records but yeah you know what I mean there I mean are they I, 
Who's the other six and th- uh, Detroit other- six and two? Ah, uh, yeah, 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 Detroit. You're right. I'm sorry, Detroit. Either well, e- e- again, and and that's a team that got blown out by the Ravens a couple weeks ago. Like, I this don't has know. been a weird year in the NFL. I think overall, and I think um, I'm sure Dennis Allen's talked about, it, or maybe somebody mentioned the fact that scoring is way down this season, it, and you're just seeing a lot of weird things happen in games too. I mean, I don't think anyone expected the Buffalo Buffalo Bills and the New Orleans Saints have the same record right now. I mean, yeah. to me, that's wild. Well, I mean, let's go through it. Let's go through it. Okay. So, Bucks three and five, Falcons four and five, Saints five and four, Packers three and five, Vikings five and four, which is pretty crazy in its own right. Uh, Lions six and two, right. Cardinals one and eight, Rams three and six, Seahawks five and three, Forty Niners five and three, Giants two and seven, Commanders four and five, Cowboys five and three, Eagles eight and one. You go over to the AFC, and there's a few more top heavy teams in the AFC than the NFC. So you got the Dolphins six and three, Chiefs seven and two, Ravens seven and two. Everyone in the AFC North is over five hundred, which is pretty crazy. Everyone in the AFC North has a better record than everyone in the AFC South or NFC South. It's kind of weird because all three teams are five and three, although the Steelers are frauds. Jaguars six and two, and then four four and four Texans, four and five Colts, three and five Titans. So I mean, like, yeah, you could be the Texans right now. But you could also be the Panthers, right? There are no guarantees. And all I know is this team is capable of winning. And I guess I just get frustrated because there seems to be a much bigger investment in being right than in than just supporting a team. And it should not be that way. Like you can say, yeah, I don't think this team is that good. And I don't like, I don't like I, I might not necessarily like the decisions, but you you still you can't just go and enjoy a team that's that's winning games. Like that's that's not about the team. That's about you. And I just think when when people are sitting there saying like, oh, they didn't win by enough, blah, blah, blah. It's because they want this team to be bad enough that everyone gets fired. And I don't know. Is that why you watch sports? It's for people to lose their jobs? Right. Is it if things haven't been that bad where you're like, please get rid get Dennis Allen out of here. He's killing the organization. Exactly. I don't know how big it is, but there is a subset. Right. And it's probably a lot of the people I hear from because they, they have an agenda and they're loud that were like, well, the saints are not bad enough right now to fire the coach. And so I'm mad about that. <laughs> and I'm going to, I'm going to veil that in criticism of we only beat another NFL team by seven points. And that's a problem. And like, yeah, sure. You should have put up more points, but you also just beat an NFL team by seven points. You scored 24. It's not like you went out there and won seven to nothing. You scored 24 points. The defense let up more points than you wanted. They still held the other team to 17. I I don't know. Like, I, I don't want to come off as preachy here. I'm just like, I'm tired of answering the same questions of like, like why, why is it impossible for people to get behind this team? Uh, for whatever reason, there's some folks that they have that in their mind that Dennis Allen is a failure. Pete Carmichael Jr. is the wrong guy calling the shots. He's not aggressive enough. And for whatever reason, yeah, this, the Saints, they, they overspent on Derek Carr. He's a waste of money. Uh, but to me, I always laugh. It's like, where, did, did you spend anything on him kind of thing? You know, this is coming out of your pocket. I yeah. get it. it affects the team in the long run with, you know, salary cap, blah, 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 blah. But overall, um, yeah, to me – Five and four, you should be happy right now. Obviously, winning record, like you mentioned, above 500. You're atop the NFC South. 
And it's been a, a, a wackadoo year. You mentioned, like you said, too, it's like the Eagles and Detroit Lions are the only teams over six wins right now. So what what more do you want? I, I do understand the fans' frustrations at times, especially you just came away from a game with five takeaways. Yeah. You only, I understand. But, but, over, but overall, yeah, you, the spirits and the outlook should be a lot more happier than they, they are instead of everybody being – uh, black and gold gloomy. I definitely don't like that. You know, um, I didn't feel like the victory black and gloomy. celebrated as much. Black and gloomy. I like it. Um, <laughs> Dark and gloomy, black and gloomy, everything, right? Black and gold doomy. <laughs> black and gold doom. It's just, it, it, it's frustrating because, I mean, I'm just out here covering the team. I'm just kind of following it every day and, and, and relaying information back. And it's like a lot of stuff I, I share gets it's like immediately gets co-opted into one agenda or another, whether it's an anti-Derek Carr agenda or a pro-Derek Carr agenda or a anti-DA agenda or whatever. And it's like, this is just information, guys. This is a football team that you tell me you're a fan of. So I'm sharing information that you should be interested in. And it's immediately, immediately co-opted. And it's like the goalposts move. That's what dr- drives me nuts the most is like, oh, okay, so now – now winning 10 games and getting to the playoffs isn't like before it was impossible before it couldn't happen. Right. Before it was like Dennis Allen's a losing head coach. will always be a losing head coach. His team's never going to get to the playoffs. His team's never going to win anything meaningful. Now that they're in first place in the NFC South, what I'm hearing is, Oh, they're going to win 10 games because of an easy schedule. And then they're going to lose in the first round. And that's not worth it to me. Like, right. If what's the point of being a fan of a team, if you can't get behind a playoff team and hope for the best. I don't know why everyone's so cranky. It's so weird. It really is. is you, you lost Drew and Sean, so now I all think, hope is gone? I think there's this idea that anything new is better, and it's not true. No, definitely not true. Like, you look at, look around the NFL and all the failed coaches. <laughs> look at the Raiders. Um <laughs> And know. yeah, poor and poor DA when he gets blumped in with oh look at his past record, look where he was for crying out loud. Yeah, right. The Raiders haven't gotten any like basically any better since he was there. No, I mean like what have the Raiders done since 2014? I think they made the playoffs twice <laughs> with Derek Carr. But yeah, I I don't know. And and I just like I have a good time watching this team win. I don't, but it's like I I I feel like just having a fun time watching the Saints play is greeted with with resentment. And it's so I, – I, I don't know. Maybe I'm you're, overreacting. You're just a homer, and you get paid by the Saints. I, I wish. I know. I wish I got paid by the Saints, too. Yeah. That would be nice. I don't get anything out of this. No, that's definitely – I think a lot of perception <laughs> is that we're just like these cheerleaders for the team that's trying to sell fans on why they should be supportive sometimes. And, yeah, I, I understand what you're, you're the frustration there because it's like, yeah – as a fan, you're supposed to have this unbridled, blind faith in your squad, and it just seems I don't know. Black and gold folks have gotten too spoiled, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, see, I don't, I don't necessarily need that. Like, you can be critical. People can be critical, but when and, they do well, you should be happy. Yeah, it just seems like there's a big percentage of of the fan base right now, and maybe it's not true. Again, maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe it's just the people I deal with. But it seems like there's a big too much time on social media with all the trolls. Yeah, and it's bad. I should just get off social media entirely. But (laughs) you know, it's like I I, part of me feels like this team can go out, win ten games, make the playoffs, host a playoff game, and it would just be it would just be complaints the whole way. 
and like part of what the fun part of what's fun about sports part of what makes sports such a great thing is that it's a community where you're all pulling in the same direction and you know you don't have any control over what happens on the field but you care about it and you're invested in it and right now it just feels like there's more of an investment in being right than having a good time and i watch sports to have a good time i don't know about you i don't watch sports to make political points or tell people they suck <laughs> or you know like i i i watch sports because it's fun for me and football doesn't feel fun right now it feels like i'm constantly on the, uh, on the defensive right yeah, to, i totally to, agree right you know and i don't know uh and like i i feel like i'm pretty critical of this team when it deserves it right like i'm not going to I don't know. Like I told, I told y'all like Pete Carmichael should lose his job a couple weeks ago. They didn't do it. What am I supposed to do? Not watch the games? It, it definitely the, the perception or negativity keeps piling on. And yeah, I thought a two game win streak would definitely quell some of the, the naysayers, but I, I will say I, I haven't heard anybody calling for, for Carmichael's job this week, at least. Well, that's the thing. That's what's so annoying. It's like, <laughs> at least be consistent. <laughs> Like the goalposts move. Now it's Dennis Allen again, right? Like now we're back to that. Right. Um, and, you know, if they go out to Minnesota and lose this week, it'll be, a, you know, who knows what it'll be. It'll probably be back to Pete Carmichael. At a certain point, you'd like to think that people could just drop the 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 agenda part of it and just get on board with a team that's winning a couple football games and is headed in the right direction. And, and and again, I hope that's the case for a good... I'm sure that is the case for a lot of people. Like, I've seen comments where, where people are like, oh, no, you, you don't... You're not really a fan if you're just okay with this and this. And it's like, you're only a real fan if if you're invested in the long term and, and you want this to go this way so that everyone loses their jobs. And I'm like, like, I think you don't understand that a lot of people just watch these games because they want to have fun and they want to enjoy themselves um i forget what that was like it'd be interesting to see really if the majority of fandom is like that right now but it it feels like it and that might be unfair because of like i was saying the social media trolls that you kind of surround yourself with but i mean there's a there's a definitely a a, a large facet of folks that five and four right now they still say this saints team sucks and that's that's not fair at all and i would respond to that by saying then one two three <laughs> four five six seven eight nine um <laughs> 10 11 12 uh there's a 13, lot of sucky 14 teams. 15 16 17 18 19 20 21 uh 22 23 20 25 nfl teams suck right now because they don't have more than five wins you know what, Dolphins, we, we mentioned the six-win teams. Obviously, Dolphins, one of them. I, I know a lot of folks, I don't know fans are, but there are analysts already calling them frauds because they only beat losing teams. Fair. You know, like, the, Fair. like you know, it's funny, like, Brian Dable was, like, the darling last year with the Giants, and now it's like, oh, what's he doing wrong? You know, like, he's starting Danny DeVito at quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> what a choice. No, exactly. Uh, can't believe he went that route. Uh, anyway, so with all that in mind, let's bitch about the Saints for a second. 
Um, right. <laughs> now we get so to like, complain. <laughs> yeah. With all that in mind, after that long rant about complaints, let's come up with our biggest complaint. Like <laughs> when you look at this roster, yeah. what is the biggest issue that you think has to be fixed? Not yeah, there's a lot of issues. Every team has problems. You got to fix it. You know, the run game has to be better. This, that's, that has to be better. But there's got to, there's always one thing that rides like the, the mission critical thing that you see that needs to be fixed for this team to get where it needs to go. Coming out flat, slow, whatever you want to call it to start games. It, it's, it's, it's gotten old. Uh, don't like watching it. Gets frustrating. I don't want to start biting my nails going, what's going to happen after the halftime? I would like to see. Uh, the team come out fully prepped and ready for once. It just doesn't feel like whatever whatever does click after the half. I don't know why I can't start in the beginning of the games, but especially now this run of more of your divisional opponents, uh, the divisional opponents, and the rest is all NFC. So these last this last stretch of games, if you want to call it that, are are so are so key and vital to making the playoffs. That this, that, but and and those slow starts, it's gonna come and bite you in the ass eventually. We've seen it done it done in games before, uh, before this two game win streak. Before we were streaking, it wasn't so glorious. And yeah, I, that's one thing. It's like you got to keep putting them together. Obviously, stringing the W's. And this week in Minnesota, it's gonna be key, especially against those damn Vikings who are always a pain in the rear for the Saints. Come out in Minnesota right off the get in a dome stadium and set the tone against them. They're not a team either that's got their starting quarterback. Once again, you're going to be dealing with a backup. Might be an intelligent, hella smart backup, but still a backup. <laughs> he is hella smart. <laughs> no, and I agree. You know, it's funny because, like, we just spent all that time kind of critiquing the the unreasonable <laughs> the unreasonable complaints about this team. And it, But, it, like, you know, one that I think is very fair and it's like if you're telling me this then i'm like yeah you're you're on on point is this is an easy schedule and the same and somehow it's only gotten easier with the you know Josh Dobbs and Tyson Bagent and uh who, Gardner Minshew you know i, I mean Taylor Heineke like i like i said i think they're actually better with Taylor Heineke but uh, not with Tommy DeVito with the Giants is going to be week 15 probably maybe Tyrod Taylor's back either way you can get another that backup, done. right? Um, and so, like, one of the luxuries you have at this point is you can have those slow starts, and it doesn't burn you in the end because you're able to figure it out. And Tyson Bajan isn't good enough to to make it hurt in the end. Seemed like he might early on, but he felt. I mean, turn the ball. I mean, they turned the ball over five times. Like they didn't get they didn't cross midfield in the fourth quarter of that game. So. You know, it's yeah, he, he clearly did not have the juice to finish that. He started well, not finished. But that, you know, that's not always going to be the case, right? You are eventually going to find a quarterback who started the season. They, you know, Jared Goff and the Lions is going to be yes, the first one you face a in a while. And you're going to, you, you're not going to beat the Lions if you spot them 14 points. Right. Um. So, so I agree with that. I agree with that. My other, my, mine, it's tough. There's, there's, there's a lot of problems, you know, like you could say kicker, place kicker. I think I, I don't think that's the biggest issue. I think it's an issue, but I think it's it's one that you can figure out and live with. Punter, I, I feel like you're you're getting closer to league average. You know, like you've seen, as long as you protect Lou, you're fine. I don't want to put him in a ton of situations where he's constantly kicking from the shadow of his own goalpost. And if I do that, it's on me, right? So it's not on me; it's on them. But you get it. 
it's not on him is what blame i'm saying you uh you can blame me it's my fault uh you the more the more reasonable person to blame would be darren rizzi because he put lou in that situation <laughs> um you know you know what's funny this is just a note because we're talking about lou headley right now i went and looked and so blake gillikin's out there in arizona he's averaging 51 yards a punt and everyone's like oh my god he's averaging 51 yards a punt and we got lou headley he's like hitting these little dribblers you know what Blake's net punting averages? What is it? 39.7. Wow. You know what Lou Headley's net punting averages? Go ahead. What is it? 39.7. Oh, okay. Wow. Exact same. <laughs> so I thought it was, was going to be higher. Unfortunately, not. Yeah. But, but it's just funny to me because like there's people who would seem to... It's like you would feel better about it if he kicked it 60 yards and they returned it 12 yards. Just because it looked prettier and hung up. Because it looked cool. Because it went so far, but if he only if he kicks it forty eight yards and they don't return it, somehow that's not as good. I would argue that it's better because if they return it twelve yards, there's a chance they return it more. And then you, you could say, okay, well your 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 situation there only allows for the idea that they return it and not that they don't return it twelve yards. Which fair, you got me. But at the same time it's really hard to kick the ball that far and cover. You've heard the turn out, kicked your coverage, right? Happens. You know, it's a thing. Uh, and so like, I don't know. It's just funny to me that like, I, I feel like people just the perception of it. If someone watched a 60 yard punt that was returned 12 yards and then watched a 48 yard punt that didn't get a return at all, which is literally what happened in this last game, that they would take the 60 yard punt over the 48 yard punt, but it's the exact same. Yeah. I don't know. I just find it funny. And like, like, like I said, Lou Headley, Blake Gilligan, <laughs> literally the exact same night punting yardage. Um, That's so odd. It is odd. It is odd. But I, I like it's, I think Blake's out there just trying to prove himself. So he's hitting these like low liners, like, like little <laughs> worm burner drives. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, I remember uh, for, the, for a while, it was like his first punt was always like the shaky one. And I feel like that's, that's, better, that's continued. That actually has oh, continued. Okay. Yeah, it's weird. It, it, what, the first punt of the game, because he did that against the, you know, the the Colts. Um, you know, his first punt of the game was like it was inside the twenty, which I think it's like inside the twenty is such a lame stat. You should give me inside the ten, right? First of all, but inside the twenty, but it was like the eighteen, and he it was like a thirty-two yard punt, and I was like, that's not good. It's inside the twenty, but it's still not you know ideal. That said, he had a kick inside the he had a kick at the nine. He had one down to the three in this last game. He had two inside the ten, one at the two. So, like, those are the real ones. Yeah, but, like, the first kick of the game has been tough uh, for whatever reason. I don't know. He just needs to get into it. He also had that kick. goes into the almost, team with the, with the slow stars. It's like, like how, how do we flip that? He almost had that kick that was blocked. Or he almost he had a kick that was almost blocked in this game. And so someone was like, oh, he almost ran into a block. And he was like, well, we're holding almost blocked against the punter now. Like, what is this? What are we really complaining about? Here? Anything it's not to fault. bitch about for sure. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you're looking for anything. But. You know, and, and and I don't need to. We've been on this forever, and I talked a lot about it in the first segment. And um, I think one thing that has to be fixed on this team, and Dennis Allen is aware of it because he talked about it, and I talked about it, and I think they are going to work on it. Is rush lanes, rush lanes? It sounds so simple, but God. Like they're leaving these gaping holes every week. Like Trevor, like you would think, okay, Trevor Lawrence took advantage of us in this way. We saw it happen. It was blatant what we did wrong and we've got to fix it. Well, three weeks later, you're doing the same shit. 
and you're just you know and 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 that's why DA is fed up because he's he, this is something they have talked about every week and it's still happening and so that's on Todd Grantham that's on the players it's on the coaches you got to be better because it is very much four guys sometimes five trying to just all rush the quarterback and all get a sack and no one is stopping to consider well is this the right way to rush the quarterback or should you know should should I maintain my leverage here because that guy just went outside and you know, I, I asked I asked Tano about this earlier in the season. Tano Passigno about like, do you guys have like plays on the defensive line? Do you say, okay, I'm going to do this, so you do that? And he said, no, not really. And I think that's that's pretty normal. Is you're not necessarily like sometimes you'll be like, okay, running a stunt here, we're doing this. But when you're just rushing, it's not like okay, you're doing the spin move and I'm doing a bull rush. It's it's kind of it's kind of like a read and react thing. And I, th- I think that's that's why it's so difficult to fix because it's not like you can just call different like rushes for that's that's an oversimplification, but you know what I you know what I'm saying like so much of it is in the moment reacting to what's happening and winning, and so but it can't be win at all costs. It can't be I'm going to rush however I have to to get by this guy because when you do that, unless you're an end or they're in like third and 20, you're leaving these gigantic holes. And on the Saints in particular, where you play a lot of man coverage, the defensive backs are running upfield with their backs turned and they're not going to be in position to come down and make a tackle. And that's what happened on that third and 12 play. That's what happened on that second and 10 play where Tyson Bajant ran for 20 yards. That's what happened against Trevor Lawrence time after time after time. And, you know, you're going to get to a point where, yeah, you make the playoffs, right? Like you, you do what you need to do and you get into the playoffs. Well, what, what, what kind of quarterback do you think you're going to find in the playoffs? You're going to find quarterbacks like Trevor Lawrence, right? You're going to find, you're going to find Lamar Jackson. You're going to find a Justin Fields. And if you are continuing to rush the passer, not just, I'm sorry, Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts. I will will say at least, I think Rod Walker put it out. If the playoffs started today, this, yeah, it would be Gino, right? (laughs) You know who can actually run? very true Uh, very true so like like you're not gonna there's no such thing as these statuesque quarterbacks anymore only the saints have that (laughs) so like to me that's that's mission critical and it might not feel mission critical right now because you're 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 not facing the top end quarterbacks but this is where you have to figure that out because if you are still making these mistakes when you get to those matchups i mean you're going to be an underdog if you face the eagles either way you are not going to have a chance in hell if you're letting Jalen Hurts rush for 100 yards. So that's it. That's mine. Tush push or not, right? Tush push. Tush push. Who that, baby? Yeah. uh, No, just getting ready for, you know, putting that game behind us and trying to get that third straight W going into the bye week, I think would change a lot of that negative perception. It's hard to be, you know, the dark cloud raining on you when you're on a three-game win streak going into the bye. I hope so. <laughs> I, I wonder though. I don't, I don't, I kind of don't feel like it. Like, I feel like if they, they're going to go out to Minnesota and you know, they, maybe they Minnesota, they win by, they Minnesota? win by five, right. <laughs> uh, whatever. And they go into the bottom. Like, ah, oh, why you totally only, you only beat them by five and you face Josh Dobbs. And- when we come back, we got to go to Atlanta. We got to lose in Atlanta. It's terrible. Atlanta is terrible. Man, okay. I'm 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 seeing all the stuff on social media about the usage of Bijan Robinson. It's making me laugh. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. Arthur Smith's out there shaving his mustache and stuff. Yeah. 
But no, that I mean, I'm definitely looking forward. Every year that matchup, obviously the Falcons, we all joke, they're not really a rival. You got to win more in the series to be rivals. But the the moves they made this year, obviously, bringing Ryan Nielsen and then him attracting some former Saints over there have definitely heightened things a bit. Four and five, baby. That's, that's Atlanta. That's Keep burying them. Keep burying the birds. Huh. All right. That's going to wrap it up for us here on this super upbeat episode of Inside Black and Gold. <laughs> Thanks for allowing me to bitch at you for uh, however long that took. Thanks, everyone, for listening. As always, I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can follow Steve at Steve Geller WWL, the show at Saints underscore pod. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do that. Uh, Follow us on YouTube at WWL Sports. And wherever you get your podcasts, hit the subscribe button, rate and review. Do all that stuff. Go Saints. Who dat? Fun stuff. Woohoo. Be miserable curmudgeons with us. That's a good word. I like (laughs) it. I'm I am very curmudgeonly. That is true. In every other aspect of my life. Right. <laughs> All right, y'all. Be easy. Peace.